Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got a great story involving less than a dollar in change. But first, a story from I Aim to Sneeze. That time I just stood there and bled while I waited for my boss to acknowledge my existence. I just got a nosebleed for the first time in a while, and it reminded me of this story. I got them fairly often as a kid, but less so as an adult. One day, while I'm in the office, I get a pretty profuse nosebleed. I just try to plug it up and keep going about my day, but this one was lasting, so I head over to my boss's desk to let her know that I was going to work the rest of the day from home and take care of my nose. She's currently talking with one of my coworkers, and normally I wouldn't interrupt, but Given the circumstances, I came up and started with, Excuse me, boss, sorry to interrupt, but... Without looking up, she cuts me off and says, You can clearly see I'm in a one-on-one. Please be polite and wait for me to finish. I say, alright, you got it. By this time, the tissue I was using to plug my nose was getting redder and redder, and by the time she finally looked up, it wasn't a pretty sight. She asked me why I didn't say something sooner, and I just repeated back to her what she had told me. She sheepishly said, Obviously stuff like this would be an exception. I just shrugged and walked back to my desk to get my things. This is one of those things where like after the fact you feel like you want to have another one-on-one with them or say something back to them like, well maybe instead of assuming that I'm just rude and trying to interrupt you, consider that I'm trying to interrupt for a very important reason. Do you guys think it's worth trying to get some extra words in after the situation just to call out the boss for assuming the way they did? Or is it just not worth upsetting the boss over, you know, back-talking or anything like that? Let me know what you guys think down in the comments. Our next story is from Venarius. I must sign in a name every time I enter the gym? Okay, no prob. This took place years ago when I was in college. I won't say where, it doesn't really matter. But what does matter was I would go to the gym every day back then. At the entrance, there was a desk with a sign-in sheet and staff member there to check your student ID. Now, most of these people were minimum wage students at the school manning the desk, so no one really cared if you checked in or had your student ID. I got into the habit of simply walking in and saying hi as I passed the front desk and starting my workout routine. Until one day, a Karen type thought that I was the Antichrist because I didn't sign in. Get back here and sign in! I said, what? They say come back and sign in, you can't enter without signing a name. Now, I was in my workout shorts, didn't have my wallet or student ID on me, and told her so. She says, I don't care about your ID, just put a name down. So, you don't care to check my ID, but I'm forced to write a name, not my name down? Cue malicious compliance. Sure, no problem. That was the day Miles Davis came to work out. Each day following, I wrote a different celebrity name. I started off under the radar with people that not everyone would know, like Duke Robillard, a jazz and blues guitarist, Dwight Yoakam, country singer, and Pete Mitchell, Maverick from Top Gun. 
No one ever asked for ID. Heck, aside from that one day in Lady, no one even looked at what I was writing for a name. So it continued. It became a game for me to see how long I could go unnoticed. I'm a huge Star Trek fan, so every single member of multiple series cast had visited. From William Shatner and James Doohan to Patrick Stewart and Will Wheaton, even Tasha Yar made an appearance before being never heard from again. Thanks, Armus. So I got bolder. I was Sean Connery, Austin Powers, Dave Matthews, John F. Kennedy, etc. On holidays, I was always someone related. Like on Columbus Day, I was Cristobal Colon. His real name, not the Americanized version. This went on for several years before I graduated. Not a single person asked for ID or bothered to check which name I was writing. Turns out minimum wage kids don't really care to check IDs. To this day, I still smile at whoever was collecting these lists, sighing out loud with an audible, Oh, come on. Yet imagining their frustration grow because none of the students at the desk cared to check my name or ID. This makes me think about a time I had in music class in middle school. We had a substitute that was going to be there for a few days, and they passed around a clipboard for you to write your name on, and from that list they would use it to check attendance. So when it got down to me, I went a few lines below my name and wrote down Ozzy Osbourne, passed it on, everybody else filled it out just fine, and so the substitute teacher's up there, calls my name, calls a few other kids, then goes, Ozzy? Is Ozzy Osbourne here? It was really mild, but it was kind of funny as a middle schooler. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Agreeable Mention 1754. You must always register entry on the log. I'm a science graduate student. In my workplace, we keep registry logs for everything, stating when you used X or Y thing, the state it was in, and when you finished using it. This was required by law to be kept up to date on consecutive entries. If someone wrote down that they finished using it at 9am, the next entry can't say that they started at 8.59am because someone else was using it at that time. Anyway, part of my experiments require me to come on weekends to a specific area where you need both a key card and an actual key to enter. And of course, it has its own registry. But because the logs are kept on the reception, and that part is locked on the weekends, we don't fill out the log on weekends, or times where the receptionists haven't arrived or has already left. No biggie, we just leave the key in a hidden but accessible to anyone that needs it place. A few weeks ago when I arrived, I was immediately called to the reception, and she told me that how come I was not on the log if I had used the key. And when I tried to explain that there was no way for me to fill out the log because they keep it locked, I was met with a, just go ahead and fill it out, it's not a big deal, and make sure you always register your entry times on the log. Okie dokie, will do. I wrote the log entry with the date of the Saturday and my times, after the ones they had used the key that day, meaning that they were now out of order. When they realized the mistake, they tried to pin it on me, but I shrugged and told them that it was not my mistake. They had to cancel the whole log page, print a new one, and manually write all of the entries, around 30 entries, so that mine was in order. They never said anything about the entry logs over weekends anymore. It sounds to me like there's just some really bad organizational issues going on here. How do you have a log that you're required by law to keep up to date, and you can't actually access it during certain times? What? Who is running this show here? Our next story is from Cheeselover80. Be careful of what you say to children. I've never liked iceberg lettuce, but growing up, that's what we got. 
Every time we had a salad, I begged my mom to use less lettuce. And after all my baking sessions, she said, when you make dinner, you can make it how you like it. I was probably five at the time. I turn eight and I'm now allowed to use the sharp knives. Mom asks me to make the salad for dinner as I'm now old enough to help. I took one leaf of lettuce and chopped it up and then put it in about half a pound of cheese, every grape tomato we had, and lots of raw onions. When I put it down on the table, she said it wasn't a proper salad as there wasn't enough lettuce. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My response was, well, mom, when you make dinner, you can make it how you like it. Needless to say, I was never asked to do the salad again, but I was satisfied that my family ate it that way because they had been bested. I think the real trick is just finding a dressing you like, because if you can put enough of that dressing on, honestly the iceberg lettuce is great. No, I'm not saying it's healthy, but it certainly makes it okay. This next story is from Academic Donkey 2193 My Dad's Plan Backfired. This one time when I was younger, about 14, My dad had an idea to teach me about time management or something. Basically, he had me write down what I did that day, but he made one mistake. He had me log by hour, not by minute. So I had to log what I did for most of the hour. The idea behind this was that if I spent most of an hour doing nothing, then it would show up as a full hour in my log. I spotted a loophole right away. I would clean up or work on something for exactly 31 minutes and then do whatever I wanted for the rest of the hour. Needless to say, I made myself seem very, very productive. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, depending on how many hours of the day you actually did this, that might be a serious win for OP's dad. Honestly, getting even like 30 minutes of consistent work out of a 14-year-old is sometimes a win for a parent. If OP did that for multiple hours, if they got an hour plus of work around the house, cleaning up the room or the dishes or whatever, that's probably a huge win. Our next story is from Brother Puppet, not the report they were expecting. During my time in the Marine Corps, I completed a total of four tours in Iraq. During my second tour, we took over an airbase from the 82nd Airborne in the Al Anbar province. The transition period was quite fun. We were in tents that were nowhere near the head, bathroom for your civilian folks. We were also instructed to hydrate like our life depended on it. Like a good lance corporal, I usually did what I was told. This turned out to be a mistake one night when I had to use the head, but was not going to make the distance to the designated facilities. About halfway there, I found a HESCO barrier and relieved myself. Right at that time, the roaming patrol, Night Watch, observed my actions and asked what I was doing. I let them know that I couldn't make it to the head, so here marks the spot instead. The next morning, I was brought up to the sergeant major and my staff sergeant to explain myself. 
My answer was not good enough, so I got to stand at the position of attention for the next 30 minutes, getting my butt chewed for it. I was counseled on how disgusting that was and how it could be a health issue. This was followed by an order to make a presentation about the health effects of being next to urine. Game on. I did just that. I used my time finding obscure articles about groups of people who save their urine to drink it later for the nutrients and vitamins lost. I went all out on this, talking about the process of sterilization of the urine to the storage of the urine for later consumption. Next, I found articles about holding in your pee for too long and how it could adversely affect your bladder. But the capstone to my argument was me going into the sergeant major's tent and taking pictures of the mounds of bottles filled with pee they were holding onto still. I did the same for the officer tents. When I gave the presentation, I had a blast with it. I was quite professional and presented one heck of a class in my opinion. They were fuming that I didn't go the route they were expecting and finding articles about the negative side of peeing just anywhere. But what got my butt into more trouble was when I showed them the bottles they were hoarding and ended with this question. What do you think is more acceptable? Me trying to go to the head but not making it? Or unnamed individuals peeing in the same area as they sleep and then holding on to the bottles? I really would like to say that was the end of it, but... My antics bought me three weeks of sweeping sand for two hours after the normal 14-hour shift. 12 on, 12 off with a two-hour turnover. I still smile about this to this day, but sweeping sand in the freaking desert was a complete waste of time. Semper Fi I'm imagining it was pretty known by everybody whose tents and whose mounds of pee bottles they were. But after getting that punishment, after doing exactly what they asked for, makes you kind of wish that you, I don't know, maybe name dropped a little more suggestively. Apparently they didn't stop using those bottles after the fact, so who knows if anybody really learned anything except how to sweep sand in the desert. You gotta love ridiculous military tasks like that. And our final story of the day is from Canadian McManager, Boomer pushed to the edge over 60 cents. The scene, it's a local McDonald's in the summer of 2020. COVID is raging and I'm a young shift manager handing drinks out the drive-thru window. An old man pulls up and I hand him his cappuccino. The old man says, I didn't order a hot beverage. I say, yes you did sir, this is a cappuccino. Unless you wanted the iced coffee frap. He says, yeah, one of those iced cappuccino things. I say, that's Tim Hortons. There's one right across the street if you'd like. He says, okay, take this warm crap back and give me my money. I say unfortunately I can't take anything back into the restaurant because of the pandemic. I can still refund you though. He says no, I don't want it, take it back. I say once you've touched it, I can't sir, I'm sorry. The old man proceeds to mutter about whatever and peels off. I see him pull around and get out of his car. I find a coworker to cover me while I head over to the front counter. I know this guy is pissed and I'm ready to make his day even harder. He storms in and says, Give me one of those freaking iced frap things, I don't want this. I say, sir, I still can't take it back, but there's garbages all around you. He takes a step back, removes the lid, and lifts the cup as if to pour it on the floor. He says, fine, I'll pour it all over the floor then. I say, no you won't. A standoff ensues. I ring up an iced coffee frap and see that his refund is about 60 cents short of the frap. Normally I would waive that without a second thought for customer satisfaction. It's McDonald's, 60 cents doesn't mean crap to them. But when you threaten to pour your drink out like a child, you lose that generosity. 
I say, look, would you like the frap? I have your refund right here and I can put it towards the frap. He says, fine. He then proceeds to throw his cappuccino out. I say, unfortunately, sir, the frap is 60 cents more expensive than what you paid for. I'm going to need you to pay the difference because the cappuccino was an honest mistake on our end, considering what you thought you were ordering. He says, what? I say nothing. He proceeds to yell every swear in the book at me while I stare him down unchanged. At this point, I had handled him from start to finish. My senior manager jumped in once he yelled loud enough for the whole restaurant to hear and kicked him out without a second thought. The boomer left without his refund, cappuccino, or frap. It was a good day. All I know is the people here working at the McDonald's, they don't get paid well enough to deal with any kind of behavior even remotely close to what this guy was displaying. I feel bad for people working there that have to deal with idiots like this. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another compliance story that was way crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.